0: I have a gouting party now. As an attacker in battle, I am not affected by ambush cards.
1: Oh. Oh. Well, that's okay, because I don't have any ambush cards. Yeah.
2: Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we investigate an escape room from the comfort of our own couch in Unlock. Next up, we are furious, furry, and feathered foes fighting for the fate of the forest in Root. And lastly, we try to skim the cream of the crop from the bottom of the barrel to get the crowd stomping in Ogre Cheerleaders. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel.
3: Hello, I'm Evan Bernstein. When I fan out the cards in my hand for another player to pull from, I always follow a specific pattern.
0: Hi, I'm Ed Povelitis, and the card
1: is sticking out a bit more from the other to the one he wanted to take, unless... Unless he's messing with you. Joe Unfried here. Never overthink this stuff. Just grab one. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and when choosing a random card from
4: another player, I use the Vizzini method.
2: Our first game up this week is Unlock. The House on the Hill, designed by Fabrice Maza, published by Space Cowboys in 2017, number of players 1 to 6, ages 10 and up, runtime 60 minutes. Okay, when we shined a light on this find, what were our first
3: thoughts? Mike?
4: Will this provide the same sense of pressure and accomplishment that a real
3: escape room does? I hope so. Evan? Such a small box to contain an
0: entire escape room. How do they shrink us all down to size? Ed? Ed? Hmm, an escape room card game? I wonder if they can keep more than one or two people occupied at the same time.
1: Joe? Making a mistake results in a time penalty? I don't care how much time is left, it hurts losing three minutes off the timer.
2: An escape room where you can hit pause to run and grab another Diet Coke? I'm in. But before we find the right key to open this review, we need to know a little bit about how it's played. Evan?
3: Unlock is a cooperative card game inspired by escape rooms that uses a simple system which allows you to search scenes, combine objects, and solve riddles. The box consists of cards with unique numbers on their backs, and puzzles, locks, keys, new rooms, and hidden clues on their fronts. Solving the puzzle on a card or group of related cards will lead you to draw new numbered cards and draw you deeper into the adventure. Throughout the game, you will access a companion app that can provide clues, check codes, and monitor time remaining. If you get to the final objective before running out of time, the team wins. If not, Doom!
2: <laughs> doom!
3: <laughs> Doomity Doom 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 Doom
2: <laughs> What did you guys think of the app that came with the game?
4: It worked really well. It gave a cool sensory feedback with some ambient music, sound effects. It was awesome. I wonder if the,
0: uh, the music changes as you're playing different adventures.
4: Yeah, you choose the adventure you're playing when you on the app before you start because it has to track all the other stuff it's keeping track of, and so I think the music will probably
3: change and uh, and the sound effects. An app is a perfect accessory for this game. I was wondering how they were gonna do some of the mechanics or set the scene in certain ways, but I didn't think about an app until I started to read about the rules, and it's like, of course, yes, use an app. It makes total sense.
2: During certain parts of an escape room, you have to enter a code or try out a key, and this is a perfect way to do it. And also, I was really impressed with the fact that you didn't have to say what you were doing first. You open the app, you pick the game that you're playing, and everything was in order. So we didn't have to say, okay, we're trying out card number 59 now. No, it knew that the next code that was going to be entered was 59's code. So we didn't have to say what we were doing or preface anything. We just punched in the code and it told us whether we were right or wrong.
4: There was a way to choose which thing you were testing out in the tutorial though. So I think that's an option if they wanted to have, you know, like Joe said, red herrings or some other misleading stuff, you could be trying one thing and not the correct thing.
0: Or there could be more than one lock available at the time.
2: Uh, If you drew a card and it was a red herring and then you entered the code because you thought that was the next thing to follow, it would tell you it was wrong in the app and it would give you a penalty.
4: If you type in a wrong code, it would buzz you for three minutes. But if you drew the wrong card out of the deck because you thought, I was supposed to go to card 29 by adding the wrong two numbers together, you'd pick up 29 and it would be hit the penalty button once.
2: It was so cool getting a penalty either from a card or in the code.
4: I wouldn't call it cool getting a penalty. Oh, it was so cool. (laughs) Would you call it frustrating, Mike? Yes, it was
3: frustrating, (laughs) but it
4: was cool, though.
2: You know what? Maybe it goes back to my impatience... But I don't always (laughs) find the fact that a game gets shorter to be a penalty.
4: (laughs) Well, plus, Celeste, in real life, you would have wasted that three minutes trying to figure it out. And here, it gives you the instant gratification of wasting that three minutes instantly.
2: Yeah, it was pretty cathartic.
3: Frustrating to Mike. (laughs) Loving to Celeste. Instant time warp to three minutes later.
2: I felt like it was just like being in an escape room and perhaps even better than being in an escape room.
3: What happens to me when I, when I do escape rooms, the real ones, you're kind of tasked with a certain puzzle that you were assigned to. You, you miss like 75% of what else is going on. W- was that happening in this game, or were you involved in every aspect of getting out of this room?
0: It's listed as one to six players for, for this specific one, and I, I just think even with four players, I, I found myself kind of waiting on other people to f- figure out what the next thing it's going to do, because I couldn't really help.
2: I think you actually get a better opportunity when the cards are in front of you because you get more of a chance to discuss and choose the puzzles you're going to take. Like, I really like this hammer radio situation better. So I'm going to go and do that rather than, you know, just you go over there and do that quick.
4: Yeah. So you try to smash the radio with the hammer and then you get a penalty. Yay. (laughs) But the good thing is when you make a mistake or when you solve something, it tells you which cards to eliminate. So unlike a real escape room, you know when something's solved because the game tells you that clue is now used up already. It says touch the buttons on the machine. Try that and that. Yes. Add this is also a blue, blue number. Oh, so that's probably what we do here. 16 plus 9 is 25. Boom. All right. Well done. You have restored power by placing the wire on the machine. Mm-hmm. Um, discard 16, 46, and 69. Boom, boom, boom. 16, 46, and
2: 69. Boom. Yep. I felt like actually a couple of times I was trying to get more help. And it wasn't available because people were working on their own things. So a couple of times I would have liked another head in the game and didn't have it. So for me, I felt like four was a good number. I could have used five.
0: There was one time when there was only one puzzle to work on. So I felt like, eh, it can't really help because they're on the other side of the table. At at that point in our early part of the game where there was only one puzzle to solve, I kind of felt out of it for a little bit.
4: There were more puzzles. We just didn't notice them because some of the cards just have hidden information on it. And we didn't realize we were supposed to be looking for like a hidden number in the grain of the wood or something like that. That's so cool. I'd
1: love that. Yeah.
2: And they did an excellent job hiding those numbers.
1: I did find one of those numbers.
2: I never would have seen it.
1: I really like the meta puzzle element of this where you're looking around wondering just how relevant is that? thing in the shadow over there yeah. in, on that particular illustration. I mean, if you're stuck in an unfamiliar place and stuff, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't know, oh, that's critically important and you can safely ignore that.
2: And you might start seeing things that aren't there.
4: Right. But it is a good thing, though, that the app actually lets you know there is a hidden object in the cards that you currently have revealed. It doesn't tell you which card has it. It just tells you there is one available. So you don't fully get stuck because you didn't notice a, a little number etched behind something.
0: And the app also allows you the opportunity to ask for a hint. And it'll give you a pretty vague but useful hint.
2: Oftentimes more useful than the hint you'll get from the guy when you knock on the door in the escape room and say you need a hint. (laughs) All right,
3: as as the timer is counting down and you're getting towards the end of this, does it pick up the tension? Does the music change? Yeah, the the timer flashes, yep. (laughs) A little alarm or klaxon goes off or something. When you uh, get the wrong answer, it gives you a big red X, you know. (laughs) Psychologically damaging. (laughs) Yeah, I thought
4: the auditory element of the game was awesome. It actually added that little X. Extra flavor. Oh, it
0: adds
3: to the pressure, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, and I think the art was very well done, too. The cards looked like the, the, the actual room and the items were almost photorealistic in this version of the game.
4: Yeah, and when you're looking at an item like, let's say, the candle, you'll first see the candle when the whole room is revealed as, like, a small candle on the shelf. But when you actually draw the candle card out of the deck, it's like the close-up version of the candle.
2: I found the art more compelling than a lot of the props I've seen in some of these smaller escape rooms. So. Unless you're going to go to a huge escape room like Five Wits, which is this great chain of high production value escape rooms with huge props and effects. If you're just going to go to a local one, I actually found the cards more engaging.
4: And it's nice that your whole group can split the $15 that it costs to uh, play this escape room instead of each person paying 30 to 60 bucks to play the escape room together.
2: And I did feel like there was less of a uh, stepping on each other's toes in this game. It was easier to get organized and get to solving.
4: And it was nice to have one person take the role of getting the cards out of the deck and uh, one person being in charge of getting rid of the cards that have been used. You kind of have important roles, but in an escape room that's live, a lot of times you'll have a quarterback kind of like directing a
1: lot of people what to do.
2: And I think a notepad is not required, but would help.
1: I you know, as a group, we're pretty good at escape rooms.
2: We did not solve this, but we were so close. We were down to the last clue.
0: <laughs> we counted it up on our way home, and
4: it looked like we lost about twenty minutes from making mistakes. Twelve minutes we
0: lost on entering the wrong code, and another nine minutes we lost looking at uh, red herrings. I'm
3: feeling more guilty now for not having been there. I, I could have been. Uh, <laughs> I, I could have been the difference maker there. Totally. I'm hanging my head in shame. Can you all see this? <laughs>
0: It's interesting that this first set was released as three adventures in one box in Europe. While in the U.S., they sold each adventure separately. And of course, now they have, I think, a total of nine adventures now with more coming.
2: That's the one thing. It's like, yes, it's way cheaper than an escape room. But ultimately, it is a card game that you're being asked to pay $15 for that can really only be played by you once.
4: Well, you can only play a specific escape room once also.
2: Still, you know, that's a decision you'll have to make. Is it worth it to you for a one-time adventure? However, the app is fascinating. All of the other escape rooms are advertised on the app. So you can sort of get a little peek as to what they're like. I definitely wouldn't mind playing one that isn't as traditional as the one that we played. I mean, ours was super traditional. The great thing about it being in a card game setup is it could be way more expansive than a escape room could get. Because your imagination is the limitation, rather than a physical place. Okay, explorers, get your shovels out. It's time to dig up or bury. Unlock. Joe?
1: Well, I'm digging this up. The whole game seemed to nestle in an elusive sweet spot. Evan? The real challenge here is finding an
3: escape room game that I don't like, so I can't wait to play. It sounds like I will be rewarded.
0: Ed? Ed? The replay value may not be particularly high, but it's a decent puzzle game, it's easy to learn and teach, and you'll be able to hand this off to a friend when you're done. I'll dig it up, as it delivers what you would expect from an escape room game. Mike? This game delivers the
4: group cooperation, rush of excitement when achieving a goal, and the pressure of the clock that I love in an escape room. So I say, dig it up.
2: As an escape room, it simply works great. Great. I wouldn't even caveat it with it's a great escape room as a stay-at-home or a cheaper alternative. I found it just as engaging. Dig it up. Mike, where can you find it?
4: You can find Unlock, the house on the hill, and its multitude of sister adventures online or at your friendly local gaming store. It's got a small footprint, so it ships easily and often finds its home near the front of a game store. Uh, Each adventure runs for about 15 bucks MSRP.
2: If you have thoughts about Unlock, let us know. We would love to hear from you. We are at which game first? On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is Root, designed by Cole Verle, published by Leader Games in 2018. Number of players, 2 to 4, 1 to 6 with the expansion, ages 10 and up, runtime 60 to 90 minutes. When we unearthed this find, what were our first thoughts? Mike?
4: The raccoon is a one-man army? He better have
3: some tricks up his sleeve. Evan? Am I seeing 12-sided dice
0: in this game? Of all the games for me to miss! (laughs) Ed? The hype was really strong for this game, but those meeples look so good, I must play! Joe? It's the most light-hearted-looking war game I've
2: ever seen. So one of the characters you can play is the Marquis de Cat, and she's already got a chokehold on the forest? I'll play that guy. But before we dig in and defend our high ground, Evan, tell us how it's played.
3: Root is a fast-paced game of adventure and war. You will play as one of four factions vying to show that you are the most legitimate ruler of the vast woodland. Marquis de Cat wishes to exploit the vast wilderness to fuel her economic and military machine. By collecting wood, they are able to produce workshops, lumber mills, and barracks. They win by building new buildings and crafts. The airy dynasties wish to reclaim the glory of their once great aristocracy and take back the woods. Caw-caw. They must capture as much territory as possible and build roosts before they collapse back into squabbling. The woodland alliance hides in the shadows, recruiting forces and hatching conspiracies. For the alliance! <laughs> they begin slowly and spread sympathy for their cause across the woodland. Meanwhile, the wily vagabond plays all sides of the conflict for their own gain while hiding a mysterious quest.
1: It is my business to know these things.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Explore the board, fight other factions, and work towards achieving your hidden goal. The stage is set for a contest of woodland might and right, which faction will ultimately take root.
2: So huge buzz on this game. People were eagerly, eagerly awaiting it. So what did you guys think?
4: I think it's really eye-catching, and that's why people were looking forward to playing it. The art is beautiful in its simplicity, and we actually spoke to the illustrator at PAX East when we were there. Yeah,
0: Kyle Farren, he is an excellent illustrator. I love the art in the game. The board was really
1: enchanting.
0: I think it was a huge part of their initial success, this art. It is
2: very unique and compelling. Just to give you an idea, there's 500 pictures of this game already posted on BoardGameGeek. That is a lot, comparatively mm-hmm. speaking. And a lot of them have players' personal marquee de cats uh, looming over the board. The meeples were charming. They were very simplistic. However, the only thing painted on them are their eyes. And the mm-hmm. expressiveness of the eyes goes a long way to defining the factions. Marquis de Cat's eyes are angled downward in an angry pose, ready to defend every area of the forest. Whereas the Woodland Alliance guys have these like big Google eyes, (laughs) and they're sort of looking (laughs) off to the side. Well, yeah,
4: their eyes are wide open like that because they're trying to be friendly and get people to be their allies. That's how they win the game. And every faction has their own way to win the game.
2: Yeah, so the designers of this game call it the next step in their development of AC asymmetric design this is a highly asymmetrical game meaning each player's faction gains victory in a different way what did you guys think of it did you feel next level
4: it added an extra level of complication at the beginning of the game because all the resources on the board are used in completely different ways by everyone so Mm -hmm. i'm not just fighting with ed over the amount of wood i have i don't even need wood at all (laughs) Right. <laughs> Only one faction is gathering wood and doing stuff with it, while when I use the cards, I'm using them for their symbol of what other faction they're connected to to help gain allies for myself.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, some people are interested in building, while other people don't do any building. And then, you no know, you no know, the the Marquis de Cat and the Airy Dynasty have warriors on the board fighting, and we have the Vagabond that's wandering around as a, a lone hero. Oh, he's he's awesome. The little raccoon guy. Joe played him. What he's doing is going on his
4: own cute little side adventures while everybody else is fighting over the woods. He can even (laughs) hide in between pathways while they're fighting each other. Sounds a little bit like a LARP on a board
3: game.
2: Yeah, like a live action role-playing game does tend to break off into tiny factions and even one-man games out there in the forest. (laughs) Mm -hmm, That's true. I already enjoy games that have custom victory points. So mm-hmm. I loved the fact that this is total custom victory. You do, yeah. from start to finish, you're doing your thing.
4: Yeah, it takes it to the next level where you're almost playing different games on the same board. All right, we both take one point of damage yeah. and I, it's perfect.
3: Okay.
4: <laughs> and it's just <laughs> sacrificing his guy so he can pull off this massive amount of
2: actions.
1: I like how there's not a lot of stockpiling or, or bookkeeping or keeping track. You get stuff, you use it up, you get more stuff, and, and you keep it moving.
2: Yeah, I felt like I was doing something wrong if I had too many resources left over at the end of my turn.
0: Another aspect I like about the design is each faction has their own player board, and just about all the rules for that faction is on their board.
2: Yes, and it's very clear and clean and concise. Um, it was as simple as as it possibly could have been with the level of complexity that exists in this game. And
0: it is pretty rich. The first time you're playing, when you first look at the card, you, you don't even know your own faction. It is as simple as it says on the board. The first time I read through it, it's like, is it that simple? Am I missing something?
2: <laughs> it was complex and simple at the same time. So the running of the game was simple. Um, the complexity existed within the factions. So what did you guys think of the map laid out in clearings, paths, and forest pieces?
0: I think it was really nice. It's, uh, what's interesting is each of the clearings has a different suit associated with it. The three different suits are fox, mouse, And bunny. (laughs) 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 Sometimes the different suits of the clearing matter if you're trying to craft different items or if you're trying to play different cards that only work in certain clearings, like an ambush card only works if you're in a bunny clearing and not if you're in a fox clearing.
4: Yeah, and there were similar ways to craft items for most of the players uh, because the cards in your hand had a crafting cost and it required dominance over certain types of factions that were on the board, like two bunnies and a fox.
0: Another thing is if you get tired of the, the front side of the board, you can flip it over to the back side, which has a winter setting. What's neat about that, you can randomize the suits of the different clearings there. And the way the river flows is different. What may matter if you're playing with the river folk expansion was add two new factions, the ability to play with one to six players, because now you can cooperate against the evil mechanical cats.
2: I uh, felt like the forest areas of the map didn't feel like locations, but I guess that's on theme. You know, it just felt like sort of fill-in area. But the truth is the Vagabond was the only one that could travel through that area.
0: Yeah, the Vagabond got to do lots of stuff that nobody could do. The Vagabond could retreat to the forest to lick their wounds and repair
4: their items. The first time I saw this was at PAX Unplugged, and they had giant-sized meeples and a giant-sized board that people were playing on. It was really
0: awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I told you
3: this game will translate into a LARP easily. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally would. Uh,
1: The whole board was really enchanting. I loved how it had lots of symbols on the board. Uh, They seemed to be all over the place. They were very instructive and helpful. and They were... Easy to find and examine, yet they were still unobtrusive. They weren't distracting. They were like squirrels in the underbrush.
4: It helped a lot that each faction didn't have to pay attention to all the symbols on the board. Like, I had symbols that mattered to me, and Celeste had a bunch of symbols that mattered to her, but nobody had to worry about all of the symbols.
2: If you needed any visuals to highlight the asymmetry of this game, do look at the meeples. Because one faction gets something like 20 meeples to put on the board, and one Mm -hmm. faction has one. So if that's not asymmetry,
0: I don't know what is. That one meeple going around and exploring ruins and collecting items and going on adventures. Like one doing an RPG while the rest of us are playing at war. (laughs) They've just completed a new Kickstarter for their second expansion, The Underworld, which adds a new board and two more factions.
2: Okay, Explorers, it's time to dig up or bury
1: Root. Joe? I'll dig it up. I would have loved this game at 10 years old. It's not my favorite game ever, but it does consistently deliver action at a consistent pace that rewards thinking a turn or two ahead.
2: Evan?
3: I have to hold my judgment until I play, But between the hype and what I've heard today, I am more than a bit curious.
0: Mike? This game takes asymmetrical strategy to the next level. Dig it up. Ed? I've played this game a few times already, and I want to play again to explore each faction and try new tactics. This is so much fun to look at and to play, and the eerie has decreed that I shall dig this game up.
2: This game is undoubtedly beautiful to look at and it does have an interesting concept but to me it felt lonely during play so as the word implies root comes from the ground and back to the ground it must go for me bury it ed where can you find the game
0: the main game is out in gold for about 60 bucks msrp the riverland expansion 40 bucks and i've seen it at local gaming stores and online If you have thoughts about Root, let us know. We
2: are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And our last game up this week is Ogre Cheerleaders. Published by Paul Warrior Games in 2018, number of players, two-ish, according to the box. Ages eight and up, runtime five to ten minutes. So when we brush the sands away from this find, what were our first impressions? Mike? I
3: bet ogre cheerleaders do some awesome throws. Evan? Give me an O,
0: give me a G, you get the rest. (laughs) Ed? They may not
1: be good cheerleaders, but who's going to tell them they're off the team? For real. Joe? I kept hearing cheer songs through the ages, from Survivor and Queen all the way up to Ariana Grande.
2: Ogre cheerleaders? I mean, of course I want to see how that's going to shake out. But before we pull our giant foam finger out, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played.
3: The game has one field, a horizontal row of cards that may be extended left or right as new cards are added. New cards are played from the player's hand to the field. Each card is a cheerleader with a number, a suit, and a special ability. There's also a bench, where some cards are removed from play, will sit face up with only the top card showing. The goal is to make matches or runs with suits or numbers. For each match or run you make during your turn, you remove those cheerleader cards from the field and add them to your scoring pile. The field grows and shrinks as cards get added and taken away during play. At the end of the game, the player with the most value in their scoring pile wins.
2: So the premise of this game is that you are a recruiter for Ogerton University, and you have to build your team of cheerleaders.
3: It's more of a community college than a university, but...
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I suspect that. Although Joe was Joe was big on saying it was the premier Ogre University. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: This is a deck of cards, a really simple, fast game. The art is very basic, but adorable and on theme. It is, you know, pretty simplistic drawings of ogres cheering in different positions. The complexity of those cheers gets harder with the higher numbered cards as it should be. And the higher numbered cards are harder to win. Okay, shuffle the cards on the field, including this one, and lay them back down in yeah, random order. Well, that's actually click? a good shot. Boom. No, <laughs> man, I want to win. Boom, boom. Are you, what you serious? Want. Not watching. you want. Now I have nothing to score.
4: The number 10 is really tough because it knocks out half the other cheerleaders on the field, so it's hard to get a match with it.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I managed to get my pair of 10 by playing it with a 1, which allows you to join the 10 on the board without playing this ability. Yeah, they jump on the field without the temper tantrum attached to it.
2: (laughs) Each card has a special ability, and the special abilities were easy to understand. You use the special abilities to try and help you get those matches of the suit's So the suits are made up of the symbols for each high school that you're recruiting from, the ogre high schools in the local area. (laughs) So everything was cute and on theme and very simple, but I was impressed with how well the special abilities worked. The only thing that might be an issue for some players is the potential for the infinite loop.
4: You know, he acknowledged that the infinite loop happened there. There's a certain card that you play that lets you draw another card back in your hand. And if both players have just that one card left in their hand, they'll be stuck in an infinite loop where they have to play one and draw the other one back.
2: And then it's what Evan loves. It ends in a tie. Oh,
3: uh-huh.
4: <laughs> I know. Oh. And it's, you know, it's not like the designer didn't notice that that was a part of the game. He put it in the rulebook. So I'm assuming that he meant it as a feature. OK, well, <laughs>
3: there,
2: OK, at
0: least there's that. So, sort of like that team. The onion has layers. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, you're going to play three or four or five times anyway, because the game goes very quickly.
4: There's not much to the game. So I think a second playthrough or a third playthrough, you wouldn't really learn a lot of new stuff after that point. You'll come up with one or two maybe strategies and that'll be it.
2: For me, I would want to focus on trying to get those darn tens to work well because that is so huge. Getting a 10 getting 20 points is huge because the scores in this game are around like 60 and 70. So 20 is significant.
4: Yeah, and you get the score for the number on the cards that you took a trick for. So if you get a run of one, two, three, you only get six points. If you get a run of 8, 9, 10, you get a whole bunch more points for that.
0: And getting that pair of ones, you get two. Yay!
1: <laughs> I did like how the art actually showed that they were definitely ogres. I mean, you could tell they're not supposed to be trolls. They're not supposed to be orcs, you know. I mean,
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they're like Shrekish, right? So Except they were yellow.
2: Come on, Evan. These are cheerleaders. These are athletes. They were significantly more fit than Shrek.
3: Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah.
4: So there was 10 different pieces of art, one for each of the cards, ranking. And then across the four different colors, they just changed part of it to reflect the color. Um, and that was it. No background or anything.
2: No, it was, it was a really basic looking game. I don't know that that bothered me. I think I really enjoyed it. If I were to add it to my game rotation, I see it as a speed game. I want the facts and only the facts. Okay, Explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Ogre Cheerleaders. Evan?
3: Well, I can't say the theme is all that appealing to me, but the runtime makes the risk low, so I'll play it with Celeste someday. (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) I would be the one. Mike?
4: I thought the card interactions were surprisingly good with each other, so even though I set the bar kind of low, it was above my expectations. I'm still going to bury it, but it's not terrible.
2: Ed?
0: While I did have fun... And well, play again if somebody brought it to the table as a filler. It's just not quite enough for me to dig up for my collection. Besides, it's buried under those ogres, and I'd rather not act them the move. <laughs> Joe?
1: It moves fast, it's easy to learn, and it's a little bit funny, so I'll dig that up.
2: I mean, hey, I love the theme and the chaotic nature of the play. I could see it going really fast and really fun. Dig it up. Joe, where can you find it?
1: This game is available online at Amazon and also at friendly local gaming stores that offer quick, lighthearted card games. If you have
2: thoughts about Ogre Cheerleaders, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes, for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcaster. It really helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server, Witch Game First, and our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Witch Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming,
1: explorers!
3: Gamers exploring happy. Explore happy gamers.
1: Happy exploding gamers.
3: Glamping exploding hamers.